Mindfulness Mode, Episode 4. And I've always been fairly relaxed on the water. I've always liked being out there and just floating around. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. Today, we're talking to Zephan Blacksburg about how mindfulness helped him through a traumatic incident in his youth, and later how he launched as a successful video entrepreneur. If you recall, last time we talked to PJ Dixon about how he changes the world person by person with his emphasis on love, using mindfulness both as a speaker and coach. If you're listening today, I want to challenge you, Mindful Tribe. If you know anyone in the video profession, coaching profession, a speaker, or anyone who works in a profession with high standards, would you just please pass this podcast on to them today? Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm so excited today to introduce my guest, Zephan Blacksburg. Zephan, are you in mindfulness mode? Bruce, I am 100% in mindfulness mode today. Awesome. Zephan Blacksburg is the owner and co-founder of ZMB Media, a Baltimore-based video production company specializing in direct marketing tactics, providing video production services with a cinematic twist to a variety of clients, including wedding, small business, promotional, website, opt-in, and video sales letters. Zephan is also host of the Year of Purpose podcast. Zephon's work is displayed in the Philadelphia Flyers, Philadelphia Eagles, and Los Angeles Clippers arenas. Zephon, tell us a little bit more about yourself, you and your story, and if you would tell Mindful Tribe what life was like in your younger years. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely been an amazing roller coaster so far. And the funny thing is I absolutely hate roller coasters. So for that to be the best uh, way to represent my life is quite interesting. Uh, My life is a very big series of very big ups and very big downs. Uh, So when I was 13, I had a classmate take his own life And it actually sparked a lot of emotions and things inside of me that ultimately landed me completely bedridden on multiple antidepressants uh, and a cocktail of tranquilizers to uh, basically make my panic attacks go away. Uh, And that was really the big start of figuring out a lot about who I am uh, and growing up very quickly because I was essentially bedridden for my entire eighth grade year of middle school uh, going Mm -hmm. into high school. And it wasn't until one day about a year into being medicated that I woke up and I decided that if I didn't make a change today, uh, I was going to take my own life. And, you know, we've seen this and it's far too common with people in that age group, whether it's from, you know, bullying or whether it's from, uh, you know, natural life occurrences going on in the family. Uh, And it really it took its toll on me until I made a moment that I call my 30 seconds of clarity. Isn't that interesting? And that was your own, your own thought, your own creation. Tell us about that, Zephyr. The types of medicine that you generally get put on when you're going through depression, anxiety, anything like that, uh, they're all tranquilizers. They essentially numb the brain to feeling emotion. Uh, so it's not necessarily that they make you feel happy when you're sad. It's that they make you not really feel anything. 
And the problem with that is you don't really get to lead a very meaningful life. And so having been in bed and having a lot of time to think and, and in a sense, meditate on it in a very negative way, uh, I woke up one morning and I looked in the mirror and I said, you know what, this is it. I, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be this person who can only, you know, stay in bed all day, eat food, watch TV, and that's about it because I, mm -hmm. I'm not leading my life. And I, I had this one moment where I woke up in the morning and I walked into the living room and I still to this day, it kind of haunts me because I can see what I saw when I was sitting there on the on the sofa looking out our, our back window. Um, and I was just kind of staring out into the backyard and talking to myself, walking myself through what's going on right now and thinking that the only possible way out of this depression that I had been in and the only possible way out of uh, having these panic attacks multiple times a day was I had to take my own life. And there was a moment that kind of popped up where I, it's very hard to explain, you know, because it's not something mm -hmm. where I sat there and said, okay, I'm going to create this space and time. Sure. Uh, and it just kind of happened at 13 years old. And for just a moment, I had this thought of, you know, what if it's not me that's making all of this stuff happen? Like, what if, what if the medicine or something, some other external factor is the reason why, you know, I get 30, 40 panic attacks a day that are completely debilitating. You know, what if the medicine is the reason why I don't feel happy? Uh, what if this, what if that? And I go through this struggle for a good amount of time until I come to the conclusion that uh, I'm not going to tell anyone, but I'm going to cut off my medicine cold turkey. Um, and this was not just a, a single pill. I mean, this was, we had a a sort of cocktail mixed up that I'd have to take mm -hmm. every morning. So it was multiple medicines combined. Uh, and that was it, really that moment saved my life um, because, you know, I was ready to take my own life and I was able to create a space where I could think logically just for a little bit. You know, the I, I always say that you're zombied out when you're on that stuff um, because mm -hmm. you're just kind of floating through life. And for some reason I was allowing myself to create a moment in time where I could think normally or somewhat normally uh, because most people wouldn't think to cut off their medication. But uh, that was really the reason why I'm still here. Incredible. Would you say that you had formed a self-identity and then suddenly in that moment you decided to change that self-identity? Would that be accurate? Well, I think that I definitely became much clearer on where things were coming from or, or potentially coming from. Uh, and I think for a moment you could say that my identity came back because I was always that person before being medicated. It, you know, it wasn't until some life events sparked this. So I, I think that that person was always there, but I had almost rediscovered mm -hmm. it in a sense. It's kind of like, you know, for everybody who's ever seen the movies about Peter Pan, or if you've watched Hook, you know, mm -hmm. the one with Robin Williams, he basically goes away to Neverland and he forgot that he was Peter Pan. And ultimately he kind of has this moment where it just clicks into place and he remembers he can fly again. 
Well, Mindful Tribe, I think it's really a great learning experience here to hear what Zephan is saying about how he kind of came to that point in time and he thought this through and he just made a decision and basically that decision saved his life. And that's incredible. It really is. At that time, were you familiar with the word mindfulness? Did you know that you were being mindful and suddenly you were making a decision to control your thoughts? I don't think that I was aware. I, I was 13 years old. Now, mm-hmm. let me preface that by saying that growing up, uh, my stepmom, who had been in my life since I was about you know four or five years old, mm-hmm. uh, she was very... Uh, interested in meditation, uh, she would go to the ashram and I had been with her on quite a few occasions. So I I guess in a sense I had experienced, mm-hmm. you know, creating those moments in time, but I don't think I necessarily had the cognitive function to understand, you know, what was going on, uh, you know, scientifically or biologically in my head. And so you made that decision and then tell us about how life changed from that point on. So it it really was a transformation that unfolded over the course of about two weeks because, you know, as you know, with most medications, when you cut them cold turkey, uh, you start to go through a withdrawal. And for me, mine was actually extremely terrible, uh, but it allowed me to learn more about who I wanted to be, which was amazing because at 13 to decide uh, your own religious beliefs and and your own beliefs in God and how that's going to play out for the rest of your life, uh, that usually doesn't happen at such a young age. Uh, But you know, long depressing story aside, uh, essentially over the course of two weeks, I would wake up. I would walk into the kitchen uh, after everyone had left for the day and I would consider taking my own life. Oh, Zeph, and that is just terrible. And so what happened next? Yeah, so as with many people who stop medication cold turkey, uh, which I'm going to give my little doctor's warning here, I do not recommend this for everybody. So I'm not saying that this is what you need to do if you're going through a similar experience. Uh, But with most people, they go through a withdrawal. And so at that point in time, you know, I I had stopped for that day. I didn't take my medicine. You don't really feel anything until the next day. Uh, So the first day I I woke up and I wait for everybody to leave the house. And the the following two weeks were a nightmare. Uh, This is where... I I learned who I wanted to be and I formed my religious beliefs and my beliefs on God and how uh, I was going to live out the rest of my life. Um, and I, I liken it to if you've ever, and not to go back to movies for everything, but I am all about the story. Uh, if you ever remember from any of the movies with the Hulk in it, you know how when he's turning into the green monster, he's kind of like thrashing around everywhere and he's having, you know, this fight inside his head. And then ultimately he kind of lets go and, you know, turns into the green guy. Um, it really was like that where I'm just kind of sitting on the floor with myself and whether it was, you know, bottles of pills or or knives or whatever I could find, I'm kind of like thrashing around in my mind and, and arguing with myself. And every day at the end of the day, you know, the pills, the knife, whatever it was, would go back into the cabinet and I would get up and I would go into my room and I wouldn't do anything. And throughout this whole time, I'm 
really just challenging everything I know uh, from, you know, is God there? Would would these things have happened to me if God existed and, and questioning so much? Uh, and so over the course of about a week or two, that started to subside. Uh, and I just woke up one day and things were better. I, I was smiling. I was excited. I was laughing. I was, you know, spending time with friends. And the funny thing was when I had decided to go off the medication was actually like my uh, three to six month marker of, hey, we're going to start like taking you off of it. And so I had just done it a little bit earlier. Uh, but I remember the day when my mom was telling me she was supposed to be like, uh, you know, you're, you're almost done. Like, I think you've got like a week or two left of your medicine. Um, and I told her, I was like, mom, I haven't been on it in months. And she was, at first she was angry because obviously like she thought that that was the thing that was protecting me in a sense. Uh, but then she realized that I was happy again. Uh, and she didn't question it. Yeah. I was going to ask you if she was aware of you going off the meds at that time. And so you did this completely on your own. And what gets me is you were 13 years old. And I knew that I couldn't tell anybody that I was doing it because it, <laughs> here was the tough part is, you know, your parents want to take care of you and, and care for you and help you. And when right. they're put into a situation like that and they haven't experienced it with any of their other children, they don't know how to respond. And so they think that medication is just the easy way to take care of it. And so if I if I had told her, I knew that, you know, I would have never been able to get off the medicine. Well, just to kind of switch over into a different topic here, I met you recently at Podcast Movement, and it was incredible because Pat Flynn spoke about you in his keynote. And I'm just wondering if you could tie that part of it in, the part that Pat Flynn told us about. How did that dovetail into this whole part of your life? Yeah, so that was really a big fast forward uh, to about May of 2013. Um, so, you know, I graduated college in 2010 and my first job out of college, I worked doing video for a marketing company. Uh, I worked there for about a year and a little uh, closer to a year and a half. And the owner had sold the company. So I lost my job and I was on unemployment for about three or four months, just freelancing some video work and, you know, meeting people in hopes of, you know, something clicking and getting that big gig that would, uh, hold me over. And, you know, I kind of considered starting a business, wasn't really sure, uh, what I was going to do with it, but maybe four months into being on unemployment, uh, I've received a job at Apple working at, at the Apple store. It only took, not even a year for me to realize that that wasn't for me uh, and that really wasn't the way that I wanted to spend my life. Um, there were tons of, I loved every coworker that I worked with, but there were tons of people who had been there for, you know, five, 10, 15 years and they, they celebrate it. You know, you get little presents and gifts mm -hmm. on your anniversaries right. and I'm sitting there looking at them and I'm like, they really don't seem all that happy for having been here for, you know, 10 or 15 years. And I don't want to be that guy who, you know, 10 years in just gets a nice little framed plaque or whatever for my dedication. Um, and, and 
it really came down to this one day where I just had a terrible experience with a customer and I had a mentor of mine witness it and he took me out to dinner and was like, you're going to quit your job tomorrow. I'm like, what? Like, what are you talking about? He said, you're going to quit. You're going to walk in and you're going to hand in a resignation letter tomorrow. And he taught me a lot of things about how I could start my own business. And so I did. I walked in and I handed in my resignation letter. And Pat had been someone that I had followed for quite a few years uh, on his Smart Passive Income blog because I was always interested in figuring out how to create a passive income stream, uh, not necessarily as my full-time income, but as like a a side project. Uh, So more for fun and just to see where it could go. And so I wrote to him, I I actually have the email here. So he had sent out an email titled, uh, you can't do this by yourself. And, you know, it, it talked about how, uh, he started to build an email list and how he did all of his stuff. And so I wrote back to him because it was like right on the day that I turned in my resignation letter. And, you know, I told him, I was like, hey, I've been a longtime lurker. You know, I, I worked for this company doing video and ultimately wound up at Apple. Uh, and I said, well, I'm here and I have six days left until my job is gone. Uh, I've got some money saved in the bank. Hopefully I'll find a good way to use it soon to build a business. But I'm scared, excited, ecstatic, confused all at the same time. And you never expect people as busy as him to write back. Uh, And the crazy thing is 24 hours later, I get this email that says, I have to congratulate you for realizing this new direction in your life so early. Um, You know, and he talks about how he was let go from his job and that's what kind of pushed him into it. And that I was very fortunate that I still had my job and I could choose whether or not I wanted it. And, um, and he says, he goes on to say, basically, uh, I'm sure things are scary, exciting, ecstatic, and confusing all at the same time right now, but your older self is going to look back on this time of your life and thank you for it. Uh, and I'm happy that you've been able to be a part of this journey and that I've been able to share this with you. And the funny thing is, uh, his signature at that time, uh, advertised his number one best-selling book, let go. And I think that was the thing was I, I was holding on to, everything that I had. And I really just had to let go and and hope that the world was going to take care of me. Incredible timing. I'm wondering through these years, you were at Apple, you were dealing with challenging customers, you were thinking about passive income. And then you, you know, that time came for that, that shift, that transition. Tell us about how mindfulness played a role during those times. How did it give you focus? Uh, somebody invited me to a, a learn to row night where I learned uh, what it's like to row in a boat on the water. Uh, and I've always been fairly relaxed on the water. I've always liked being out there and just floating around. Uh, and this was amazing because they always talk about how you need to keep your head in the boat. And they mean it both physically and mentally because uh, the boats are very sensitive. And so if you're turning your head to the side and watching the scenery instead of looking at the back of the person's head in front of you, uh, you actually throw the balance of the boat off and it's very easy to flip it. So you both physically have to keep your head in the boat and mentally you have to be paying attention to, you know, the calls from the coach or the coxswain who's in the front uh, telling you when we're about to make turns and, and what adjustments to make. For the first time for me, I was able to get my head in just pure silence. Nothing's moving. Nothing's going on. I'm not thinking about anything. I It's 
is very odd. It's kind of like in the movies if they ever show uh, a lot of things going on and then you kind of flash back down to Earth uh, and, you know, there's pure silence. Sounds like you found your ability to experience mindfulness right there in that boat that day. Yeah. And so, you know, I stumble over my words here a little bit only because uh, it's very hard to understand how that comes about and how that was created. But when I think back to how I was born, I'm wondering if this was maybe uh, an explanation as to why I I like being on the water and why it's relaxing to me. Um, so when my mom was pregnant with me, uh, her water broke just as she was going to the bathroom to leave for the gym. And my feet came out while she was on the toilet. And essentially, I was drawn from the water, which gave me my middle name, Moses, which in Hebrew translates to drawn from the water. Uh, so I've always had a lot of comfort in being on the water. Zephan, this is just absolutely fascinating. So I want to continue on with your storytelling. And I want to swing over to your career in video. Tell us about that. Tell us about how possibly how mindfulness has helped you continue to gain focus and clarity so that you can create the kind of excellent video work that you do. Yeah. When I go into filming for something, uh, and a lot of videographers get this, you just kind of go into the zone. You can still think about outside things, uh, but you're very focused on what you're doing. And video allows you to do that because if you're a good videographer, you're paying attention to a lot of things. So not only are you paying attention to the sound in the room and if there's any distractions, uh, everything from the refrigerator or the AC kicking in to, you know, sounds of sirens outside, uh, but you're also paying attention to the movement of the people that you're filming because you have to be able to, to follow them with the camera. Uh, and, and there's right. tons of other things that you're keeping track of. You're watching the change in light. You're watching the change in colors. Uh, you're watching the exposure of how bright a person's skin tones are on camera. So um, you're following whether or not they're staying in focus. And so with all these things that you're keeping track of, uh, it allows you to really stay focused because there's so much going on. And so I think to relate it back to rowing is rowing is so strenuous and there's so much going on that you can't possibly be thinking of anything else. So uh, videography is a much lesser form of that because many times you're not exerting your body with that much force, but you're still focusing on so many different aspects that need to come together to make that happen. Yeah, I hadn't thought of videography as being an area where being mindful was particularly something that could really take you to new heights. And it obviously does. I can I can see it the way you're describing that. Zephan, would would you consider yourself a religious person? And if if so, I just wonder how that ties in with your mindfulness and if you could just speak to that for a second. Yeah, so I'm always very careful when approaching this, but uh, through that experience that I had had when I was a teenager, uh, I decided then and there that I was not going to be a religious person um, and that ultimately my, my religious belief is that I'm going to do things that make me happy uh, and that uh, allow me to help others. And and that's really my religion at this point because um, 
you know, everyone has their own opinions and I would never try to convince anyone uh, away from their religious beliefs. But for me personally, I felt that through a lot of my experiences, uh, I had decided on my own beliefs in God and I had decided that religion was not something that was important to me uh, in order to, to live out my life in what I thought was a good way. Well, you obviously made decisions that really worked for you and were very pivotal at the time and took you in new directions. And in talking with you, you just have a sense of calmness that I find really interesting because you went through such an incredibly challenging time and yet you seem to have peace, you seem to have a sense of calm and and as you describe you also have a sense of happiness as well in what you do and so your career in video that makes you happy am i right uh well so that was a part of it this was actually a very interesting thing and i'm glad you brought it up Mm -hmm. um video i really had to question a lot of things uh And this was because I had worked in my business since May of 2013 and I hadn't Mm -hmm. taken a break until August of 2014. So uh, almost a year and a half later, uh, I hadn't taken a vacation. I hadn't enjoyed any of the freedoms that building my own company had given to me. Uh, And this ultimately sparked a a journey to question myself of, am I doing video because I absolutely love it? Or am I doing it because I love that people know I'm very good at it and that feedback feels really good to receive? Um, So I I don't hate it. It's not like something where, you know, I'm just doing it for the money. Uh, But I started to explore other things that I was passionate about. And so through a series of adventures and couch surfing and travel hacking my way across the country for two months last winter, uh, that's when I decided to start my podcast. And so the year of purpose for me was actually... um, really more of what I was passionate about. And I found a, a huge discovery in all of this was that uh, I was talking to someone and I'm trying to figure out, you know, is video something that I need to continue with? Uh, and we always try to ask ourselves, like, what is my purpose or what is my passion? And the problem is that's not the best way to go about asking that question. Uh, and through this discussion I had with someone, I said something like, you know, I'm all about the story and I really love the storytelling and video is the just the best way for me to communicate it. And mm-hmm. right when I said that, the person I was talking to was like, stop, like rewind that, say what you just said. And I went back a little too far. She was like, no, 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 no. What did you just say? And I essentially said, storytelling is what I, I really love. Video is just the best way for me to do it. And mm-hmm. she was like, that's it your passion isn't necessarily video, it's storytelling. Because I kind of gotten away from uh, the the video side of things, or at least I, I had kind of lost sight of uh, being happy while doing the video work. And so when I really found out that it was the storytelling behind it, that's where things started to click into place. So I'm still doing video. Uh, it's not something that I dislike, but I've, I'm learning that the story behind things is what really drives me. Now, I want to talk about discipline a little bit. How do you stay on track? What would your words of wisdom be about discipline? Yeah, so I've seen this a lot lately with the things that people say they they want to do and having it not really align with their actions because they'll try it out and then, you know, maybe a day or two later they stop doing it. 
And for me, it really just means that your why wasn't big enough, why you're doing it is not big enough or you weren't clear on your why. And so I kind of see it as something as, you know, if you didn't accomplish it and you were the only stumbling block, then you didn't want it bad enough. And and so that's the thing is you have to kind of sit back and reevaluate what are the things that you want and what are the changes that you want to see and then why do you want to see those changes? Uh, you know, so I, I've done plenty of things like started w- certain workout routines uh, and I've had workout routines last for months and years and I've had workout mm-hmm. routines that burn out after about, you know, two weeks and it really comes down to figuring out why am I doing this in the first place? And if I didn't have a good enough reason, then of course I'm not going to want it bad enough and I'm not going to put in the work to make it happen. Right. That why, it just has to be huge. It has to be part of you. Zeph, and I've worked in bullying prevention for a number of years and I've seen how the practice of mindfulness can really make a huge difference in the lives of children or adults who have been bullied. Do you have a story about a specific situation that involved bullying or mindfulness? So this this one is hard for me because I didn't realize that it was about bullying until later, a long time after the fact. Um, Mm -hmm. So a lot of what sparked the depression and the panic attacks that I fell into um, happened based around uh, Thanksgiving of my going into my eighth grade year. I went on a vacation with my with my family and had a very just mm-hmm. terrible weekend uh, and then came back Monday morning to find out one of my classmates had taken his own life. And this was this kind of sparked something in me because uh, and I didn't realize, but I had witnessed him being bullied multiple times, uh, you know, in the restrooms where you think you're safe from the teachers, uh, in the hallways when people aren't paying attention. And and I knew that this guy had done nothing wrong to anyone ever uh, and just really was not being treated well. And that to me was kind of a wake up call because he took his own life. And then about a week later, uh, someone who was my age, who I had just met, uh, was going, leaving on a family vacation and he didn't wear his seatbelt and they were in a car accident and he died instantly on impact. And and that was really the first time I had really lost people in my life, even if they weren't close to me. The experience of loss uh, is enough to throw any 13 year old uh, around a room. Um, And so that was where I had really experienced uh, the impact of bullying because I knew that I could have been that person to stand up and do it. And we're so in our own lives and focused on ourselves uh, that it's just as easy or at least we think it's just as easy to, you know, just walk out of the room or to look the other way. Oh, hard to measure the effect those two incidences must have had on your life, Zephan. Well, we're going to move on now. My next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. And here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? So this has to go back to actually um, a pretty cool guy. Uh, When I was in college, I took a lot of philosophy classes and philosophy of religion and learned a lot about uh, 
Buddhism and, and Taoism and all sorts of things from a guy named G Boz. And he was like the coolest teacher ever. Um, he was from the Netherlands and he reminded me a lot of like, uh, doc Brown from back to the future with the crazy white hair everywhere. Uh, but right. I would I would spend time with him outside after classes just talking about life and and, you know, all, all sorts of stuff that was metaphysical. And uh, so he probably sparked my fascination with it. How has mindfulness affected your emotions or those of the people you work with when you do your video work? Uh, well, I think that people can really sense when you're not there. Uh, it's very obvious and clear to them if you're out in la-la land uh, and not paying attention to what they're saying. Uh, so I think that, you know, just in general discussion with people, uh, they're really, they're going to, they're going to know. And so it makes for a better conversation if they realize that you're paying attention a hundred percent, uh, and that you really care about what they're saying. Absolutely. Tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness practice. So breathing is something that I've still had to work on. Uh, I've actually experienced a float tank before uh, where breathing is the key to to letting go and experiencing that. Um, And breathing is also something that's very important in a lot of the sports that I participate in. So, you know, for rowing, uh, we're doing these long practices right now. I'm actually getting ready to do a half marathon, 13 miles in exactly one month from today. And if you don't breathe properly, uh, within about the first two minutes of the race, you're going to be completely out of breath and depleted of oxygen. Coming back to that breath and, and realizing the in and the out uh, really calms you down and, and gets you back in and focused. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness or one related to mindfulness, what would it be? I'd have to say the, so this is one that I read recently is called The Miracle Morning and it's by Hal Elrod. And so he's kind of created this uh, morning routine that allows you to really get into the zone uh, to start your day. What advice would you give a person who is new to mindfulness and would like to start using this in their life? I think that if you have a float tank in the area, you should definitely look it up. Um, And I don't know if you've experienced this, Bruce, but basically it's a a lightproof and soundproof tank that they fill with about six to seven inches of water and a thousand pounds of Epsom salt. Um, So that has allowed me to uh, learn to come back to my breath because when I was floating in there, at first I got very... Uh, upset because I'm like, relax, relax. Let's just relax. Let's just, you know, nothing's happening. And then you get into that self-talk of nothing's happening. Why isn't anything happening? What am I doing wrong? Coming back to your breath, but also letting go at the same time has been very helpful for that. Well, it's been fascinating talking with you today, Zephan. And I just want to ask you, how could we at Mindful Tribe learn more about you or contact you? Tell us tell us how we could do that. Yeah, so I run the Year of Purpose podcast. It's at yearofpurpose.com. Uh, an easy way for any of our iPhone friends out there to get to it is if you just go into your internet browser and type in getyop.com uh, and just go to that. It'll actually flip over right into the podcast app and bring up our podcast so you can easily subscribe. And of course, if you like our show, let us know. Thanks so much, Zephan. I really appreciate you being part of our show. No problem. It was a pleasure being here. Bye now. 
Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. In appreciation, I'll mention you at the top of an upcoming show. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.